Lukut Sicha is Chelik Yudzayin, Parshat Tzav Sicha Beis, a summary of the Sicha. And the beginning of the Parsha talks about the fire on the Mizbeach. So the Pesach says there has to be a constant fire burning on the Mizbeach. It should not be extinguished. So Rashi quotes the words constant fire. And he says the, the fire about which it says constant, which is the, the fire of the Mizbeach, that's the fire that you have to use to light the Menorah about whom it also says constant that it should be a constant fire burning there and that it should be lit from the outer Mizbeach that's what the word here constant teaches us so it seems that Rashi is saying why does the word Tomid have to come here why does the Torah have to say Tomid it already says that it should be uninterrupted so what is the word Tomid adding it's adding that linking it to what it says Tomid by the Menorah that just like over there it's a Ner Tomid it has to come from this fire about which the Torah says Tamid, the fire of the Mizbeach. But the general question that has to be asked is that this Pasek is talking not about the Menorah. This talk, Pasek is talking about the Mizbeach. So how does the Torah teach, why does the Torah teach the law of how the Menorah should be lit in the laws of the Mizbeach? This Pasek seems to be related to the Mizbeach and not to the Menorah. And although it's true that the Gemara does teach it this way, but Rashi, reading the simple meaning of the Psukim, doesn't bring every Gemara and how the Gemara interprets every single Pasuk, only when it pertains to this Pshutosh Mikra. So what does the Pshutosh Mikra teach? How does it teach that a Pasuk that is strictly speaking about the, the Mizbeach suddenly is teaching about the Menorah? Especially that you could explain the word Tamid in a much simpler way that the Torah is putting an emphasis on the fact that it should be constant. And even though it does say it should be uninterrupted, but that's a negative way. It shouldn't be extinguished, just talking about it in a negative way. So the Torah also wants to say it should be constant and not only speak in negative terms. In fact, we find a Rashi in Rashi itself. In the previous Rashi, it says that it says a number of times in the Psukim over here, the term fire... Tukad, Maikta, which are all terms of the fire. And he explains that in the Masech Yuma, there is an argument about, uh, between the sages about how many fires existed, were burning on the Mizbeach at the same time. According to one opinion, there was four. That's why it says four times on the Mizbeach. Uh, Tukad or Maikta, and he includes our Pasuk too, Eish Tamit Tukala Mizbeach. So we see that Rashi himself relates the Eish Tamit Tukadal Mizbeach to the Mizbeach and not to the Menorah. So the explanation is, the reason that Rashi must insist that this word Tamid is not relating to the Menorah, to the Mizbeach, and that it's teaching something more than simply talking about the Mizbeach is for this reason. Rashi already explained earlier about the word Tamid. What does Tamid mean? It means constant. But it doesn't mean that it should be 24 hours of burning. Because, for instance, it says by the, uh, about the Menorah, it says that it should, um, this Pasuk, that it should be constant. Rashi says the fact that it's lit every night, that's called constant. It means that it should be lit every night. It doesn't mean that it should be burning 24 hours in a row. In fact, it doesn't have to be burning 24 hours in a row. The Pasuk also says, Oilas Tamid, 
the carbon oil, which is constant. What does it mean, constant? They're not bringing oilers, uh, an oilers atomid, uh, you know, the regular daily oiler, 24 hours a day. Not at all. They bring it once in the morning and once in the afternoon. That's called tomid because it's constant. It has to happen every day. So if that's the case, that tomid merely means that it should happen again and again. So then when it's already said in the Pasuk, that in the regards to the fire and the menorah, it should never be extinguished. So what does tomid add? Tomid adds nothing to the It doesn't give any more emphasis. In fact, it could de-emphasize the constants of it because by reading the word tomid, you could say, oh, every day the Mizbeach should be have a fire burning on it. Does it mean that it should be constant 24 hours? From the word Tamid, that's not a, a, a conclusive at all. From the word Leisichbe, that's where it comes from. So therefore, Rashi questions, what is added by the word Tamid? Nothing to the Mizbeach. So therefore, it must be adding something totally different. And that is, that it's teaching that the fire on the Mizbeach should be used in order to light the Menorah. And in the other Rashi, the early, previous Rashi, where he talks about the four mentions of fires on the Mizbeach, and he relates it to, the fact, to how many fires were burning on the Mizbeach, he's giving you two options, according to the opinion that says that there were four fires going. So then, yes, he would have to say that the Eish Tamed al-Mizbeach, that of our Pasuk, is also relating to the fire on the Mizbeach. So then, according to him, what about Tamed? What does Tamed mean? He would have to explain it the way other commentators explain it, which is that it is putting more emphasis on the positive thing, even though it's a little difficult, and Rashi has trouble with that. But according to that opinion that needs to find four fires going on the Mizbeach, four mentions of fire on the Mizbeach, he would have to explain it that way. But there are other opinions, the ones that say that it's only three fires going, or even two fires going, according to them... They don't need this pasuk of Eish Tamid in regards to the fire on the Mizbeach, and therefore it would be interpreted as meaning, as Rashi says, the fire on the, uh, relating to the fire on the Menorah. An unexpected gem that we can find from this Rashi in regards to halacha. In whenever there are t- issue, two in in a halacha, you have two details which uh, are dependent on each other. There's always the question, which detail is the critical detail, and the other one is a result of the, of the critical detail. So often there is two ways to look at it. For instance, as an example, there is a halacha that you're, the shteya lechem, which is a carbon that is brought, a carbon mincha that is brought on shvuas, must be the first mincha brought from the new crop. You're not allowed to bring any other mincha from the new crop until after the shteya lechem. So the question could be asked, there are two ways to look at this. There, that's a condition in the Shtei Alechem, that it must be the first Mincha. And therefore, you, can't, you not, don't want to compromise the status of the Shtei Alechem as being the first one. Therefore, no other ones can be brought before the Shtei Alechem. Otherwise, it would no longer be the first one. Or another way of looking at it is, you're not allowed to bring any carbon Mincha from the new crop, period. Until the Shtei comes along and releases the new crop and makes it permitted for you to bring mincha, a karma mincha from the new crop. What would be the difference if you look at it this way or that way? What happens if somebody inadvertently, for some reason, they brought a karma mincha from the new crop before the Shtei 
Now what do you do? Can you now start bringing all the carbon minchas from the new crop? Why? Because the shtei alechem already is not going to be from the, fir- the first one anyway. If it's not going to be the first one anyway, may as well bring other ones from the new crop. That's only if it's about the shtei alechem and that the shtei alechem must be the first one. So that's not going to be anymore, so you can bring it from anyone. But if you say that it's no mincha can be brought from the new crop until the shtei alechem releases it, so the fact that you brought one mincha and you violated that rule doesn't mean you could bring other minchas and violate the rule again. You still need the shtei alechem in order to release the other minchas. In a similar way, we can also approach and, and discuss our situation. The fact that the menorah should be lit from the, carb, from the mizbeach, it, one way of looking at it is, in or, the, the menorah, it's a condition about the light of the menorah. The light of the menorah must be brought from the mizbeach. Another way of looking at it is, it's a condition of the mizbeach. One of the functions of the mizbeach for instance, it has four fires going for four different reasons. Each fire serves another purpose. One of the purposes is that it should provide fire for the, for the menorah. What's the difference how you look at it? What happens if there's no mizbeach? There's no fire going in the mizbeach for whatever reason. Does that mean that you shouldn't light the menorah? Because the menorah must be lit from the mizbeach. So if you say that it's conditioned in the menorah, if there is no fire from the mizbeach, so then there is no lighting the menorah. But if you say that it's really a condition about the mizbeach, one of the things that the mizbeach needs to do is light the menorah. But if there's no mizbeach fire, so then of course you can't do that. So where should you get the fire from the menorah? Well, wherever. Find another place. You need to light the menorah. It's a condition in the mizbeach and it doesn't affect the menorah really. So the, from the perspective of Allah, one would think that it really is a condition in the Menorah. But from the way Rashi puts it, he seems to be saying, and it's, it lends itself to the Pshudr Mikra too, because the mitzvah that it should be lit from the Menorah is found by the laws of the Mizbeach, not by the laws of the Menorah. So that Rashi says that lends itself more to saying that it's a condition in the, in the Mizbeach and not in the Menorah. And that's why Rashi changes it from the way the Gemara says it. The Gemara says, the fire that I set to you should not come only from the top of the Mizbeach. In other words, the fire of the Menorah should not come only from the top of the Mizbeach. But Rashi rephrases it and he says, also that should be from the Mizbeach. In other words, he makes it more about the Mizbeach than about the Menorah. It's not a condition in the lighting of the Menorah. It should also come from the Menorah, meaning to say, this is a function of the Mizbeach, that it should give light to the Menorah. A lesson that we can have in our own personal lives. The uh, Menorah represents the study of Torah, which is constant, because the uh, Torah has to be, there's no such, there is no time in a person's life that he is exempt from learning Torah, unless there is a specific exemption. But if there's no specific exemption, it's constant Chiyu. Mitzvahs are more whenever the chiv of a mitzvah comes up. That's when you're obligated to do it, but it's not constant. So somebody that is a person that is involved in learning could say, I am involved in a mitzvah in the light of Torah which is constant. Why should I go out and do something which is, comes from the mizbeach achitzen, which is related to the outer mizbeach, something from the outside, so, uh, a mitzvah 
or a person that needs my help, another Jew that needs my help in order to illuminate his neshama, that's all chutz, that's all coming from the Mizbeach HaChitzin. I am a person that is of the Menorah. Why should I lower myself to do that? The answer is, the Torah says, no, in order to illuminate the fire on the, on the, uh, on the Menorah, it must come from the Mizbeach HaChitzin. The only way that you can truly illuminate even a person that studies Torah all the time is only if he's exposed to the chutz, only if he's willing to participate in, in the challenges of chutz, in the, the problems that another Jew has, and to illuminate that. Only then will his fire be illuminated. It comes from the menorah, the outer menorah.